When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get into today's show, I wanted to take a minute and tell you guys about this amazing podcast that I was just on. It's called TV My Husband Hates. And these two wonderful ladies invited me on their podcast. I had a great time and I feel like I got to tell you about it. They are badass, sassy women. Kat Sims, she's based in London, and Regan Kempton, who's based in Colorado. They are the hosts and they're amazing. They're probably as obsessed with reality TV as I am, but these two women go deep. They discuss a ton of reality TV shows. They cover Housewives, Below Deck, The Kardashians. You guys know I love The Kardashians and much, much more. But this really is a podcast that proves, you know what, that smart people watch reality TV too. Listen, we're all smart and we're here talking about this. Every episode of their podcast is jam-packed with all the latest tea. They also discuss the bigger issues that reality TV brings up that we can all relate to. I mean, I can't wait to see what they're going to say about Erica and Tom. Don't even get me started. So you can expect smart and clever chat about relationships, sex, parenting, mental health. Like they really cover it all. Everything, guys, everything. Kat and Reagan have the, been best friends for years and listening to their podcast makes you feel kind of like you're right there with them. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts and check them out. Hit, hit subscribe. And the first episode you listen to could be the one that I was in. There's an episode every Monday, and I guarantee, other than Behind the Velvet Rope, it'll be the highlight of your week. Listen, you guys got room for one more. Just one more. We love Kat and Regan. Take a listen. And now, on to today's show. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Miss Sarah Frazier. Oh my God, I am so excited to be on your podcast after you were on mine and you were hilarious with all your Martha Stewart stories. I mean, you were so great. Anyway, I'm, I'm so thrilled to be here. We're going to talk about my appearance on your podcast. It was epic. Now, what are you, what are you doing today? It's you're, you're in DC ish, Maryland. Remind me again, exactly where you are. Okay. So lived in DC for a very long time. And David, you, you live like right in New York city, right? Yeah. I live in Chelsea, baby. Okay. So smart. David, um, my husband works for a soccer association out in, um, Loudon, like Virginia, which is the suburbs. So for years he commuted an hour each way plus, you know? So during the pandemic we were in the city, but none of our amenities, like 
everything was shut down, right? So we said, okay, let's save money. We'll move out to the suburbs. David, don't do it. It is, I mean, it, it, I brought up my Uber app one time to get an Uber. It was 35 minutes for the guy to even get here. I thought, what? I've never even seen 35 minutes on an Uber app. I go, they go up that high, the numbers? It was, yes. David, it's a whole new world out here. Because listen, I had a moment where I, listen, I'll, I'll die in New York City. Like, let's just put that out there. I'll be dead in my apartment somewhere. But I had a moment where I was like, because I would go to like Greenwich, Connecticut. I would go to these suburbs and they were hopping. I was like, wait a second. The suburb is fucking cool. It's got a scene. And then I would come back to New York at the end of the night in my Uber. And I'd be like, there's nothing going on here. So I had a moment of thinking. And then after like two months of being like, are you fucking crazy? Like you can still get your Chinese food at 1 a.m. and your Indian food at 4 a.m. So I, yeah. I get it. I, so I'm currently in Leesburg, Virginia. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful out here in Virginia, like Middleburg. It's, it's like horse country, but it is definitely a whole new way of life um, that is very quiet. You move just like now, just because of COVID? Yeah, we moved in our lease was up and we lived in this great building. But even despite, you know, COVID, our um, rent came back, our, our like um, management, they said, we'll reduce it for $50. We were like, $50? Okay, we're paying thousands of dollars a month. And that's all. We have no pool, no gym. These are first world problems, David, by the way. But I like, get it. Screw it. We can move like 45 minutes out, save like five to $600 a month. We're doing it. So we just picked up and moved. Well, my building, because my lease was off, I signed another two-year lease. Um, my building raised it $50. No, they didn't. Yeah. I'm like, wait a second. I'm so confused because like there's, they, what? The world There's is falling apart. It says of New York City, oh, rents the lowest they've been in 11 years. You can negotiate. You can live in Soho for four grand a month. I'm like, wow, seems like now's the time to move to New York. Yet you're building. I mean, I think they're like a little lower, but yeah, then you're like, okay, I'm going to pack up, move, and what? It's just like, ugh, fine, you fucked me, and let's just move on and like I'm staying, Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So tell me, are you originally from like the DC area? No, I'm actually a Mainer. So I grew really? up. Really? Yes. <laughs> Which is crazy because a lot of people meet me and they think that I grew up in New Jersey. I have no idea why. I, maybe it's because I always wear leopard. I, I was going to say you have leopard on today. <laughs> it's, it, so people always think I'm from New Jersey and I'm like, no, I'm actually from Maine. Um, so I grew up there and went to college in Massachusetts. And then my uncles, I had these fabulous gay uncles. I call them my gunkles. They lived in DC for years and they always knew I wanted to be in radio because I'm obsessed with Howard Stern. So they said, move to DC. Howard started here. It's a great radio market. And so in early 2000s and 2005, I moved down here and it took me about two years. And then I got on a radio morning show I was on that for like a year. I got fired. And then I got onto another radio morning show called The Kane Show. And back in the day, that was syndicated in like eight markets, including Sirius XM. And that kind of launched my career with iHeartRadio. Okay, so let's back up. So DC is like a big radio place? Well, it used to be a huge radio market. So a lot huh. of people that you know, whether it was like Howard Stern or, um, and a lot of, and Maury Povich started here. So Maury Povich did radio and then also worked for the local Fox 5 affiliate. So a lot of big name people that you would know now started in DC. So it's always been a great media market. But I would say in the past 10 years, I mean, the kind of that saying now that you hear like people are like, you listen to radio, it's dead. It, it is sort of dead now. It is. It, I would not recommend moving to DC anymore to start your media career. You don't need to. 
Interesting. Now let's just talk about, cause I too, like you bow down with knee pads on. I will blow him any day. Mr. Stern, like Howard Stern is a fucking God. He is, he is He's a, a God. God. And short of like Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes, I believe Howard and Leslie Stahl are, are tied for the two greatest interviewers of all time. And then Oprah, because Howard really set the stage for Joe Rogan. He set the stage for what you and I are doing. These transparent interviews that were long, where people revealed it all. I, I agree. I, I never want Howard to go away. He's amazing. And I love Robin. She, and she's, isn't she the perfect yin to yang? Like, how do you find somebody that stays with you for like 35 years and is the perfect compliment? They, they're great together. And I mean, I imagine, you know, it's always public what Howard makes. I imagine Robin makes a shitload at this point. Oh my God. And, and you know, you've heard they're in a contract negotiation with SiriusXM allegedly for 120 million. Of course, that's, yeah. you know, he has a huge, I think he has a staff now of 40 or 45 people. So that includes paying all of them, oh. plus Howard, plus, so, so, you know, Howard probably makes, I don't know, whatever, 20 something million. Robin makes 10 or 15 million, you know, Bubba Booey, they, they all have to be doing great. Could you imagine? Um, no, I mean, I really wish the guy that I worked with in radio had been stable because we could probably have been doing really great. But You could have been out. the Howard Stern. I mean, it's, he's just, I, I love Howard Stern, on, honestly. Me too. He's amazing. It's, it's the best. So, you know, I don't know if you, how often you listen, but you know who I'm really good friends with? She's on this show, on my podcast. Either it's either aired or it's coming up. The one, the only, Ms. Tan Mom. Oh my God, you are? Oh my God. You have like a direct contact to them because they love oh. Tan Mom. Oh my God. I like when they do the whack pack and then Tan Mom is in there and she's like talking to Ronnie or whoever and they're all making fun of it. It's so good. Oh my God. What a friend. You she are- calls me with like Adam Barda and they're like, can we come on your show? And I'm like, uh, you can and come you on. Yeah. I'm like, uh, what day would you like to come on? Sure. I mean, yes, it is like a direct contact then, but Tan Mom is in like in her own moment. So, I mean, granted also Howard's not going to say to Tan Mom, oh, this is your friend, David. Great, have him on in. (laughs) But in theory, thank you, Sarah, for thinking that my life is so wonderful and charmed. I mean, David, somehow we need to join the WAC Pack so we can get on the show all the time. You know, it's like, okay, I'll hang out with Jeff the Drunk. Like I'm available. I would do anything to join the WAC Pack. (laughs) Right? Yeah, me too. I'm in. So you were in radio in DC and then that worked out, but then didn't work out. Yeah. So I co-hosted on a show called The Kane Show for years. Um, I think it was like 2007 till 2013. I was there six or seven years and um, it was amazing, but I definitely had a story. I tell people, I mean, it was sort of like Time's Up before the Time's Up movement. Um, it was just an incredibly toxic work environment. I mean, we would have keys thrown at us, a trash can kicked at us. Um, it was very, it was like out of a movie. I, I, I often think I need to work on a screenplay, like a comedy screenplay, because the stuff that would happen behind the scenes there, you would not believe. With celebrities, um, with my co-host who would you know, he and his wife were always fighting or he would go online and pretend that he was an alias and troll other radio people. It was just like, 
David, I can't even tell you the stories. It was nuts. He like went on like radio peoples and was like, you're pathetic, like that, like he trolled oh, yeah. them. And, well, we used to do a lot of fake radio bits too. And he would spend a lot of time trying to convince people that the radio bits were real. So anything, anytime you hear like a prank, like a radio prank or a War of the Roses or like where they're trying to bust cheaters, all those things are fake, you know, because they're, they use actors, but they present it as real. So he would spend a lot of time trying to convince people by, by saying, oh, hey, I was on this show and posing as a woman. <laughs> online oh my god it was all that and then you know celebrities would come in like we met justin bieber when he was 15 it was just like a complete film okay now i did see a picture on i've trolled your instagram yes i did see a picture of the beebs now i mean today current day so this is not saying when he was 15 justin bieber is so fucking hot as far as i'm concerned oh my god he's He's not for everyone but for me he's for me when he came into the radio station back in 2009, or, or he was like 15 years old, he had five fans. There were these five girls outside. We were like, why the fuck are you guys waiting for this pipsqueak? He was so tiny. And his manager at the time kept telling us, this dude is going to be so huge. We're like, all right, yeah. Because you hear that all the time in radio. And so many one-hit wonders come through. And then, the, you know, you never hear from them again. Anyway, when he, he did the acoustic version of Baby, and there was something amazing about him. And his mom was there, and they were so vulnerable. Like, they, they had no idea about show business. It was really a moment that you didn't appreciate until now when he's so famous. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of great moments like that with celebrities. Was he nice? Very. Oh my God. Amazing. But they, like, like they didn't even know what was happening. You know what I'm saying? Like they were so driven by a music machine. Like the, the manager sort of took his mom and him like around and, um, they were just so like naive and sweet. You know what I'm saying? Like there was no, you know, you can't like look at him. None of that, like none of that had even happened, you know? And the manager was like the typical slick, like, you know, oh, this com- is my cash cow. Which he was right. I mean, that's right. I mean, he he he, he was right. Like, he, like he bet on the right horse. I know. We should have latched on to him and like, dude, come back every single week. We'll play all of your hits. Like, but you know, you never know. Like, lots of people came in, and then I can't even remember who they were. You know, they had one song, and that was it. So, any other fun Justin Bieber stories from this? Was it? There was it just that one time. He just came in that one time, and then I feel like Baby blew up. And then it was like off, you know, he was just like completely off. That he's like, honey, I'm going to Howard Stern. I'm not coming back to the DC radio station. What? I have a fun one about Rihanna. We met Rihanna down in Atlantis in the Bahamas when she was just starting like Ponder Replay. She was another person. Like it would just be Rihanna and her bodyguard. She had nobody around. There was no entourage. She was so sweet. This was like pre-Chris Brown. She'd sit down with everyone. I mean, amazing. I mean, tons of stories like that. Yeah. That's why I never understand how people change. I mean, I get it. You get all the money and I would take all the money. I mean, I would take it and run, honey. But (laughs) you're still the same person. Like, I was just talking about this the other day on this show, but I don't know in what capacity. Like, I don't know how you cannot remember that. Like, it's still you. It's your life. Now, I don't remember lots of parts of my life because I drink tons of vodka, so I understand forgetting details, but like, how could you not remember when you weren't a gazillionaire and like now your life has changed? Okay. But don't you think, and you, you've been around and interviewed enough celebrities, don't you think it becomes about time? I think mm-hmm. when 
he, when Justin Bieber came in and when, you know, Rihanna, they don't know they're going to be huge stars either. People are telling them that, but they're not, they're in Atlantis or at our radio station, desperately trying to get you to play the song. No, again, this is 2010, 2011, when radio still had cachet. Now you go to Spotify, right? So you're not even going to radio stations anymore. But um, they really wanted their song played. So they would hang out with you. They'd hang out with the program director. But I think as you become more famous, you don't have to take that time. So I actually don't, I don't blame them. Like, I'm like, good for you. I think it becomes about time management. Do you want to hang out with a bunch of radio DJs? Fuck no. Now you can go to like Spotify. Yeah, exactly. No, and it is about time. It is. Yeah. I don't blame them at all. That I agree with. I just think, you know, like when you hear stories of like this person's an asshole and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not saying Justin or Rihanna. I'm just saying in general. No, the biggest asshole that came in was Ashley Simpson. She was totally on something back in the day. She came in, she did it. She just gotten a tattoo. She was extremely late. Um, she, you know, she had this, um, peony tattoo or whatever, peony tattoo on her wrist. And she kept saying, I got a peony tattoo. And we were like, okay, but tell us about the album. And shortly after that was when she went to SNL and completely fucked up the whole lip sync thing. She was terrible. And then when she left, we kept saying, you know, she was drunk or high on air. And then she called the station to bitch us out and said she would never be back. And we were the worst radio morning show. (laughs) I think we actually even aired that. Wait, <laughs> right. Like everyone, if you're a celebrity, do not text DM or no, like. Literally called. And I think we started recording her and she would just, she just teared into us. And then when we came back from break, we were like, Boop, just played the whole thing. People like called, of course they loved us. So people would be it's like, Ashley Simpson. <laughs> yeah. She was the worst guest ever. Wait, she called directly? She called the radio station like directly. Like herself, like not her Herself, people. not right to talk, tell us why we were the worst morning show ever. And, and why? She, what was her reasons? Be, because we said she had to be drunk or high. She was the worst interview. She wouldn't answer questions. She kept looking at her tattoo. And we kept saying to her, then why could you not answer a question? You kept looking at your, her tattoo. And she's like, I'm bored because you guys are the fucking worst. And <laughs> boop, let's oh play Oh my that. God. Yes, and you know I have a connection to the housewives. I nearly had sex with Constantine Maroulis until my co-host shut that down. Constantine came in. He wanted my phone number. He was huge with Idol. He wanted to meet after the show. And my co-host, because I had a boyfriend at the time, was like, Constantine. He like literally pushed him in the elevator and he's like, she has a boyfriend. And then he closed the elevator door. And I'm like, Sammy, how could you do this? I could have been sleeping with an American Idol. Well, you know, I mean, I I saw you had Constantine on your show. You know, I had him on for a two-part right after it was revealed. Like literally- because I'm, I have a strong connection to Constantine too. Like I have someone who's like I'm. You almost slept with him as well. I didn't almost believe it or not. I'm okay not sleeping with Constantine. I wish I'd done it for the story. He's, it would have been so good. Yeah, for the story. But there's a yes for the story. But there's a couple reasons why I'm not so sure I would like to go there. I would prefer the beads. I'd prefer the beads. Before we continue this conversation, I just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year. And at the beginning of quarantine, there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals. And I turned to BetterHelp, which is online professional counseling. And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week, and I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, 
I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that if you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors get back to you in a very timely manner, and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs. If you get a counselor that you don't like, you can just request another counselor. Everything, of course, is confidential. They deal with a variety of issues, depression, stress, anxiety, sleep. We're all having trouble sleeping during this. Trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBTQIA issues, and I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly, and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and get 10% off your first month. But um, no, I have, I am one I like am one degree away from him. So after that episode of Roni, where they were like, blah, 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 and it's Constantine, I literally got on the phone, like literally that 10 p.m. that night on Thursday. And I'm like, okay, so on Monday, my episode is going to be Constantine. So it's now Thursday. Would he like to record tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, or Sunday? And like within minutes, they were like, he is dying to come on your show. He'll be there on Saturday. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care if it's five in the morning. I need to speak to Constantine immediately. He's amazing. I mean, and, and I just love the connection that he has to all the housewives. And I don't know why he isn't on a reality show. I don't know what he told you when he was on your show, but when he was on mine, he was very reluctant. And I'm like, dude, you are perfect. Like you should parlay your next act into doing reality TV. I mean, he was on High Society with Miss Mortimer Tinsley. He he was on High Society. Yes, that's right. That's right. This? And then he shot some scenes right for Housewives of New York, but they ended up getting cut or something. Like I think he was like in the background. Like he's been there. Yeah, I know. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, he says he likes older women. That's what he told me. But does it shock me that he also wanted to sleep with you, even though you're not an older woman? Yes, it doesn't. I mean, no, it does not shock me. Well, it was. <laughs> I think Constantine, and no, no, no judgments, because I'm not sitting home staring at the four walls either, people. It, I think Constantine wants, you know, I think he would take a lot of people. Oh, uh, believe me. And, and of course, when he came on my show, you know, he was very sweet, but I don't think he remembered who the fuck I was, uh, which was even, even made for a better show, which was totally fine. And um, anyway, it was, it was hysterical. And then I think he ended up hitting on my co-host, so it was, it was a riot. I love it. Well, that's the thing. Like, I'm intrigued now by your Ashley Simpson story. When I was on your podcast, I, there was a little bit of falling out. So you and I chatted. Well, I'll tell you. So you and I chatted. Like, you know, it's like that thing. Like, I'm always intrigued by, like, a celebrity child. Like, you know what I mean? I want to talk to, like, a celebrity child and be like, well, like, I just had Rachel Bradshaw on. Okay, it's not, like, a huge celebrity, but, like, Terry Bradshaw is her father, the Bradshaw bunch. And it yes! Was, and so, like, Literally, her episode was, you know, a few weeks ago, and I was like, 
when did you realize, you know, like your father was in the public eye. Like I'm so intrigued by that psychology of like when you realize your life is different. So like, it's kind of like when it's your own story, you're not as thrilled about it. You know, you don't think it's such a big deal. But when I was on your show and I was just chatting while I had my coffee, I was like, and then I did this and then I did that. And then I did this in my life. And then I worked at Martha Stewart. Sarah's eyes bugged out. She dropped the fucking microphone. She's like, wait, you worked at Martha. Like it doesn't, it doesn't to me register as like a big thing. And she's like, you worked at Martha Stewart. And she's like, did you interact with her? I'm like, yeah, like I basically reported in, I was in charge of hiring. I see. And this is why I'm so fascinated because I, I have this odd fascination now. I've worked for a tyrant, right? So I enjoy tyrant stories because you mm-hmm. and I, like, you could write probably a, a screenplay of your time there and I could write one for radio. You know, it's like you, you can't even make up the shit that they come up with because they have such huge egos and they live in their own world, which partly is why they're successful. It's like you and I were talking about Ellen when, when you were on my podcast. I'm not surprised that Ellen isn't nice. I think in some ways you, you kind of don't, you can't be nice to operate at that level and stay at number one. You know, you have to demand and kind of put people under this pressure to be the best, right? So I uh, 100% agree. You do. It, it, it sucks. And, and I was very resentful when I initially left the Kane show because I couldn't believe the way he treated us. But then when I started my own podcasting business and had employees... I realized I need to be way meaner. You know, you just, because you don't have to be, I think, as extreme as Ellen and some of these other people we've seen. There's a nice, there's a good balance. But I think you do have to, unfortunately, hold people accountable and keep raising the bar. And people don't always like that in work environments. No. And you know what it is, like what I think it is. I mean, I agree with all that, but you take like a Martha or an Ellen. Like if you're at the top of your game, you are at the top of your game like for a reason like you're good at what you do so like at least same thing like now that I have employees my my frustration comes when it's just kind of like I'm not an asshole like I'm not going to yell but it's just kind of like you if when you're at the top of your game you're good at what you do so when other people aren't good at what they do it's just like you're like step up. Like, I, I, I think it's exhaustion. I think it's exhaustion. Like, I'm sure it's exhausting for like a Martha or an Ellen to be like, why am I up here? Like Kelly Bensimon says, and like, you're down here. <laughs> like, I think it's probably like on a daily basis. You're just like, I mean, Ellen, the train is moving. Like there's millions of people watching. Like this isn't like, let's go in the backyard and paint our nails. So I would imagine like when you're just exhausted and you're like, I stepped away for an hour and like no one could do anything appropriately. Like what I have to sit here at five more hours. That's, and I think that's where it comes in. I'll admit it as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate. I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order 
or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. No, I agree with you. And, and I, like I said, I, I resented Kane for a long time, but now I, I think I have such a gratitude because I really feel like he actually prepared me pretty well for the entertainment business. And I remember there was a saying at the radio station after I got hired and it was congrats. Now it's not show friends, it's show business. And at first I was like, what? Oh my God, how could you say that? But I actually, I like that because that's the truth, right? We're in a business that if you aren't number one or you're not producing money or results, unfortunately, you aren't going to, you know, they're going to cut your show. Like that is the truth. So it's like, I get why Kane kind of demanded we all work at a high level because once you're at number, it's actually the hardest thing. Once you're, it's easier to get to number one than to stay there. You know, that's, the hard part. So I, I actually appreciate him now. And I do think there's a, a nice balance. Like I really take pride in fostering talent on my show and then helping them go on. And I do think we're in a business now of collaboration versus back in 2011, 2012, you know, radio didn't collaborate. It was always radio wars. You were on an island. Um, so I love what happens in podcasts of collaboration. And, and I think your Martha Stewart is very similar to mine. So I, I love that stories. And I really believe like in terms of collaboration, like everyone's different. So like, I don't believe in the competitiveness or anything like that. You know, like I got my show up there to the top, me, David, no one else, you know, there was some help, but I did it by knowing what I was doing and working night and day. But I feel like there's no competitiveness because every show is different to me. So, well, the reality is but too- Some podcasters don't go there. Some podcasters are nasty fucking bitches. Yeah, it's true. And I just think that's crazy because here's the thing. Like if you're trending, I would love to see more top trending reality show podcasts or pop culture, because when that happens, you know, people are searching for that. So that helps my podcast. It helps other people's podcasts. It's, you know, it's a whole different environment. And I, and I love how people go on other people's shows and push their following and get new following because people are hungry for great stuff. So if you're good, you're going to succeed. Hey guys, you know I've been working really hard bringing you behind the velvet rope five days a week. And there is nothing like that Friday feeling that I have. I wait for Fridays knowing I can just relax and I can sleep and I can catch up with friends and I can have a great glass of wine. Well, I no longer have to wait for Friday for that once a week Friday feeling to kick in because of First Leaf. It's award-winning wine from First Leaf. With that, any day can feel like a Friday. It's a wine club that sends you personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world. The wine comes directly to you. You literally go on tryfirstleaf.com and you fill out a really fun quiz. It doesn't just ask you what types of wine you like and dislike. Do you prefer reds? Do you prefer whites? It asks you what your palate is like. Do you like almonds? Do you like cheese? Do you like olives? It literally asks you all about your preferences. And based on their very unique algorithm, then six bottles are hand-picked for you by the experts and the wine comes to your house, literally. What is better than getting six bottles of wine 
in the mail. And what I love is it's a monthly program, but it's very simple. So if you drink really fast like me and you need to renew quicker, you can adjust and shorten the time and have the wine delivered quicker. But if you need to take a pause and you drink slower, you're going somewhere perhaps, you can pause and then come back to it. The bottles come right to your front door. You don't have to go to any grocery store or wine store. The quiz is so fun. Out of the six bottles that I just got, the Rancho Campo 2019 Malbec is amazing. It's my favorite. And literally, if you don't like the wine, there is a money back guarantee, but it's based on your preferences and the quiz you fill out. So chances are you're going to get wine that you actually want to drink. So what are you waiting for? You can get that Friday feeling like I do every single day with First Leaf. Join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Let me just repeat that. $29.95 and free shipping for six bottles. Guys, that's crazy. So go to tryfirstleaf.com slash velvetrope. Tryfirstleaf.com slash velvetrope. And it's First Leaf. That's six bottles for $29.95, free shipping. You're not going to do better. And DM me and thank me and let me know what your selections are and how you're enjoying your wine. How long have you had your podcast? My <laughs> podcast is four and a half years old, so it'll be oh going my God. five years. Yes, I know. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's changed a lot. It's gone through many different, uh, many co-hosts. Like I've had many co-hosts and they kind of go on to do other things, which is what I always wanted. Um, and I really started the show not even to like get ratings or anything. I wanted to find my own voice because my dream has always been to have a talk show, but I was always somebody's radio co-host. And they're, in radio, how many women, aside from Ellen Kay, who used to work with Ryan Seacrest, women don't have their own morning shows they, because the thing in radio, it's run by men and men don't believe that women want to hear women on the radio. So I knew if I didn't take my severance package, the last radio gig I had and start my own show, I was never going to find my own voice. I would wake up and be 40. I'd still be co-hosting with the, you know, Johnny J show and no one would give a fuck. So and you have no say. And you have no say, no say. I mean, that's the difference between like podcast networks. Like, you know, like I have a friend who just started, we don't need to get into who it is, but she just started like, you know, she's part of like some big corporate conglomerate and like, they're not making money yet. So, but she, she has huge guests. So because they're booking her huge guests, mind you, I could get the same level of guests, but you know, she's been doing it for a day. So the positive is she doesn't do anything. Like you show up, you're the on-air talent. They do all the, yeah, I know. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that be beautiful? You never learn. You don't really, you don't learn the connection. Yeah. And so she was telling me, so I was like, you know, no offense. Like you're my friend, but like, how did you get like, Countess Luann and like these, I I could get these people, but how did you, because you've been here for a minute and she was like, well, they have a booker for me. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, and then she tells me, you know, but like they give me notes after every show and I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm doing this my way. (laughs) Could you imagine if you were there, Sarah, like they own you, like I've been there. They did that with iHeart. Yeah, absolutely. They own you. They tell you what to do. They tell you what to tweet. They tell you what they don't want you to tweet. Yeah. Yeah. You give up a lot. And like, not for nothing, there's a lot of things I don't know about in life. But you know, when it comes to podcasting, I'm like Bethany Frankel, and I do feel I know it all. So I feel like I I can do it better on my own. If some network told me what to tweet and like what not to do on a show, I would just be like, what? Yeah, yeah. 
So after I was on your show and your eyes lit up and I was talking about Martha, I was talking to this friend of mine who works for a publication, a major publication, a publication that is featured in my podcast. You know, it's like a people or an us or one of those, but it's not. And she was like, oh, this is juicy stuff. So I sat down with her. We talked. I love this. Yeah. And at the end of the talk, I was like, okay, so like, you know, like just, you know, she's like, I, I don't know if this is going to be of any interest. I thought some of the stuff was soft, but I told her all my stories. The next morning I wake up to 8,000 texts. She's like, they fucking loved it. And I'm like, what? I'm like, well, it's not definitely going to be run. She's like, it's 100% going to be run. We starting to freak like, out. <laughs> yeah. It's good. No, listen, like, okay, like my podcast is in the news all the time, but I don't, I mean, that's not because of things I said. It's because, and listen, I'm not afraid. Like there are housewives that I fucking hate. So I I will go on record and say, you know, I I will go talk to Us Weekly and say, this person, do you want to know stories about this housewife? I will talk to you for hours, put my name in it. Cause I, I hate this person. (laughs) Martha, you know, like I'm not afraid, but like Martha, despite the tyranny, despite- Yes. What everyone, what everyone thinks working at Martha was like, it was, but she never, there's something about her. She never personally came after me. Like I got it. It was just her business and she's Martha Stewart. She fucking knows what she's doing. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I know exactly your experience. Yeah. It's like you, you have these stories, but you're not, like you said, it's not it's not personal in a way like a housewife that you strongly dislike because of X, Y, or Z. It was like- Who did me wrong. And like I had personal angst on a personal level because of this bitch. Right. And that I'll speak out about. So it's like, yeah. So I was like, listen, honey, like, I'm sorry. And this whole publication was like, what? Are you fucking kidding us? You wasted our time. And I'm just like, listen, like, I don't care what time I wasted. Like, you cannot print this. I mean, it was good to go viral. David Yonta from Behind the Velvet Rope <laughs> talks about, like, in, in yeah. charge of human resources and hiring. Like, they were like, this is going to be, like, front page viral. Like, talks about Martha. And I was like, you need to kill this fucking story right now. I think you were very smart to do that. Because I just think, what were you going to gain? You know what I'm saying? Like you said, like, it's not personal in a way, you know, that you were wronged or you're filing a lawsuit. I don't think you would have gained much. I think it, no. I think it was a smart call on Obviously, the publication would have gained a lot, but it wouldn't have helped you. And they were going to tie it into Ellen. They asked me questions about Ellen. Oh, yeah. No, they were coming for blood. They were like, so like, you know, this is what, because you know, that's what the publications do. Like my interview with Tamara Judge was like six months ago. It's still quoted. Like there'll be a hundred interviews with RHOC people. It has nothing to do with my podcast or Tamara. And then it will bring it in. It will be like, well, Tamara Judd said, you know, like it's something they need to refer to. It's, it's literally the go-to source for Tamara Judge. So it's like repeated. So it's like, this will be in print forever. And this just, I don't, I don't, I don't have it out for Martha like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. I think it was very wise. You know? One day I'll talk about all my housewives that I can't stand and why. But now, speaking of housewives, so you live, so you live down there in DC. Yes. So let's, before we get into our fine Potomac friends, let's talk about my other friends, RHODC. Like, do you know any of the DC girls? I mean, you don't have to. You know, I don't. Just socially. Now, it's funny because I do have a story of um, Mikhail Salahi actually crashing a radio party with his new girlfriend. Now, this was after he had split with- um, You mean Tarek? 
Tarek, sorry, Tarek. Tarek. Mikhail is, is the, the wife. On, right. So um, Tarek and his new girlfriend had actually like crashed a Georgetown <laughs> rooftop party that we had for a radio event. And it was so funny. And But of course, everyone was like, oh my God, you guys are crashing this again. And they never said anything, but they took tons of photos with everyone. And of course, drank all the free booze. But I haven't seen him in so long. Um, you know, I'm very good friends with Paul Wharton, who you know, who was always a friend on The Real Housewives of DC. He was he was never like a main character. Yeah. Um, and Paul actually co-hosted my podcast for a year. So he is super fun. Um, but I'm, everybody else I've seen like um, socially, but I don't, you I know have much more of a friendship. I have to get Paul on my show at some point. Paul is an awesome guest. You really need to. And he has a ton of inside scoop on all those ladies. And Paul is very vocal. You know, he said that the women got together for Real Housewives of DC. And and you can maybe ask them if this is true. And And he said they all made a pact that they were not going to be mean and they were not going to really spill the tea. And he said, that is the biggest, we are not going to get renewed if you do not do this. And he said, sure enough, it happened. He has a really good story of trying to sit them all down and tell them that we need to create drama and they refuse. They would do like, you know, just little fluff stuff. And in talking to them, they're aware of it. Like I've had, I've talked to all of them. We had Mary on our show, but I have others coming up. They're all like, our show was fucking boring. Like they all say that to me. They're not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And he, he definitely, he admits that they just wouldn't, they wouldn't do anything interesting. So that was the end of it. Oh my God. I know. Now, what about the Potomac ladies? Like the last time I talked to you, you said you were, you wanted to stay home on your couch instead of going to the polo match with Karen Huger. And I was like, bitch, like, you don't believe like that. I ask the listeners of behind the velvet rope, like, honey, I get on planes and travel all over the world to hang out with these people. I wish I, I was like, I will come there. with you. You I and know. I will have fun. I'm not like just there to kiss Karen Huger's ass. I wish you would have come. I wish I had known you because you and I, I think recorded on like a Thursday or whatever. And then the polo match was that Sunday or something. I was so like, we okay, it's Thursday. That's Sunday. Like that's plenty of time. I'll get my Amtrak ticket. And like, what's the big deal? David, so. I stayed home. I stayed home. I, I, I know. And I, I need to do this with you because you are so good at like schmoozing and networking and going out with these people. And I like night off, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stay. And you and I will have fun. Like, you know, it's also that. I'm not just there to like throw you into the sewer and be like, thanks for the invite, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not like that. No, we would, I will, any event. And you know, I, so Sunday night, this Sunday night on Real Housewives of Potomac, you'll probably see a glimpse of me because I was a part of Monique Samuel's live podcast show last year that happened about 10 days after she was in the fight with, um, with Candace. And then I believe like two days before the live show, she had just gotten criminal charges on that fight. So you'll see that this, um, Sunday play out. So that'll be really might see you. Um, I, I know all the women, I, I don't know Giselle very well, um, but I know all the women, I, I actually love them all, I have to say. Now, they don't always like when other ones come on my show and then, you know, dish the dirt. They, they're not always fans of that because they feel like I don't defend them enough. Um, but Let's I, talk I, about that because welcome to my fucking life. <laughs> welcome. Like, it's a really interesting dynamic, isn't it? It's kind of like, bitch, I, I need to eat too. And exactly. Because it happens with me with all. I mean, I've had New York, New Jersey, Beverly Hills. Like, I have people on. Like, everyone always thinks that I hate Erica Jane and Lisa Vanderpump. I am not coming for Erica Jane, nor am I coming for Lisa Vanderpump. I happen to have a bunch of guests that hate Erica Jane and Lisa Vanderpump. 
and I sit here and ask questions and then just shut up and don't say anything. Right. Well, I, I think here's the thing, right? I learn, I'm learning in, in being in this podcasting world, right? Is we think, I would think when I'm at a certain level of celebrity, that I don't care what people say, just put my name in your mouth. Like whatever the, you know, that's what I miss about Joan. Joan didn't give a fuck what people said. And Joan didn't care. You know, she didn't care if you were offended by what she said. Joan you, Rivers. Yes. Like Joan okay. and, and I miss those days because I think that people don't have a thick skin anymore. And we've, I forget that. I do too. I don't. I have a thick skin. I don't care what people say about me, but the housewives, I think all of them really do. They care the perception. They care what you think. And I, you know, I knew a lot of the housewives, the Potomac ones before they became housewives and like Ashley Darby and I were friends. She, she was a big radio listener. She loved the morning show. She knew the morning show. So I think she felt like when, when Candace came on my show a year ago and talked shit about her that, Hey, we have this friendship outside or I felt we did. And you didn't really say anything like, Hey, um, you know, Ashley's my friend. And I feel like you're going a little too far about the Ashley and Michael Darby. I think last year was when he grabbed, allegedly grabbed a camera person's ass. Right. Yes. Um, so I tried to, you know, so we had a moment at Monique's, um, live podcast show and I apologized to her. I said, look, I, you know, this is like my job. I do get carried away because I love all the tea. I think you guys do a great job on Potomac of keeping the drama going and I'm sorry. Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, I'm going to let somebody go. Because that's what they're there to do. Okay, wait, slow it down. So you didn't speak to Ashley that whole time, like after this fall? Like, how was this falling out? You got a text, a call, an email. I mean, again, honey, I'm, I'm there with you. There's lots of housewives that are not thrilled with me. I think she unfollowed me on social media, which was how I knew something wasn't right. Okay, so you're like right up there with me. So I think she unfollowed me and then... Oh, and you know what happened is I used to comment on all her stuff and everything. So I would go to comment and you know how people turn on limited comments? Like this person only allows certain people to go. So I could no longer comment on her stuff. I was like, oh, all right, I guess we're in a fight. So, and I can't think, I think maybe I sent her a text about something, never heard. And then we had seen each other. So probably about five months later at Monique's live show. And she said, I really, I, I want to talk to you about this. So I said, absolutely. She and, came up to you? Yes, yes. And okay. in the meantime, I think we'd had talked about maybe doing a live podcast show at Oz when her Oz restaurant was open. And then it never really went anywhere. So anyhow, I, I appreciated that. And I, I like Ashley and Michael. And I feel like good for them that this season, I mean, aside from, I, you know, they had a little bit of a cheating drama, but that seems like minuscule compared to everything else going on. Um, I love them. I don't, I, I like, I honestly, God, David, I enjoy every guest, even Ashley Simpson. Like I would have them on. I like when people even act up because it's so I, nice of you to have on Ashley Simpson and Evan Ross. That's, that's so big of you, Sarah. On again. Absolutely. Uh, I'll cut off my arm to have them on. I will literally saw off my arm right now. Aren't they out in Greenwich, Connecticut? No, they live in, I guess they live in Beverly Hills. Well, Diana's in Greenwich. Yeah, yeah, she's out there. You we'll want her on too? Her house. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I know, I'm being sarcastic. No, so I, you know, I try to not take it personally when people get upset about the show because I'm like, it's entertainment. Um, but the fact that she came up to you is more than, uh, this is the difference between Potomac and on one hand in New York, New Jersey, and Beverly Hills on another. Because all the people that want me dead, 
like <laughs> would not come. You know, it's they no, wouldn't come up to me. They they truly feel they're up here and I'm down here. I'm going to refer to that again. That's how they feel. So it's like that's how it is. If you think about like the DC area, it's much more of like a big town here than it is in New York. And and yeah, there's a whole status scene here in DC, but it's much more revolves around politics. So I think that plays into it. Like I have been the biggest advocate for wanting Potomac to succeed. And I am so happy they are having the best season that they've had in five years because, you know, in DC, no reality. Rob Lowe has tried to do a reality show here. He has? Like what? Yep. He tried to do a political kind of like, um, almost like the real world type thing for um, well-known young people on the Hill, like following their life. Like none of it ever took off. Was he going to be on it? I think, no, I think he was producing it. And I know some people that shot it, it never went anywhere. But he's like one of many. They have tried many reality. Real world tried to be here. I think the real world coming to DC solidified the cancelization of that show. Like the ratings dropped. (laughs) And well, that's what the housewife said to me. They said, you don't realize like how, first of all, anyone in the real inner circle of politics would not be on the real housewives of DC. They, They wouldn't. And then there's all these security clearances. The house, they all said it. Like, I spoke to Kat. I spoke to Linda. I spoke to Mary. Mikkel is a sweet woman, but wants nothing to do with speaking about the housewives. Right. She's, yeah. She's, I mean, she's very sweet, likes all my shit, like gives me hearts, but does not want to sit down with me. Um, and then Stacey Turner can't be found, really. I mean, she's out there, but she's like a mystery. So, but they, they all said the same thing, that they're just like, you don't realize it gets so hard to film a reality show here. Very, 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 very. And it's just so, it's such a different scene, I think, than New York. I think there's so much more status in New York, Beverly Hills, um, even probably Dallas, like, than, um, you know, than there is here. So I think the housewives here are much more approachable and... I connect, I think, to anybody helping propel the show versus probably what you deal with in New Jersey and New York. And I mean, New York is, again, kind of like up here. Potomac as a show is more, like I even asked Giselle when she was on my podcast, I said like, you know, do you feel like the ugly stepchild? Like, are you happy you're finally getting the, and she was like, yeah, it's about time we get the recognition we deserve. I know. Do they feel that way? Like when they talk to you of kind of like, thanks for supporting. 100%. I think they're so thrilled to be there. I know Bravo loves Giselle. I love seeing her on, you know, this new Bravo chat. Um, No, I I think they all feel the same way, that they were like, and, and, you know, they were really counted out. Like, people were like, okay, because DC didn't work. They're like, how long is this going to last? And even people here locally, I don't feel like until the past season or two, they weren't supportive of them for the most part. Huh. Yeah. And then that was it. You made up with Ashley. She said, I want to talk to you. Yes. You said, this is my job, honey. Well, I look, I never want people to feel like any, I'm personally attacking them because this is entertainment. Like when I come on my show, I am a bigger version of myself. Like I love the dirt. I love gossip. Um, you know, when I was eight years old, my grandmother, I was like super overweight. We used to make chocolate chip cookies and drive around town and point out people's houses and gossip about them. Like that was how we bonded. So I, I was overweight too. I think when you're overweight, you just fall into the TV. You, you, you can't have a social life. No, I'm serious. Exactly. No one wants to hang out with you. Uh, nobody. nobody. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not putting down people that are overweight. I'm saying like, it's a sick world, but this is how the world works. It's sad. 
Yes. Yes. So I, I love all that. So I get carried away. I hate when anyone feels bad and I actually genuinely love Ashley. Me too. I want them to succeed. I'm so happy they're having a family. So yes, I think everything is good. I hope to have her on, um, before this season of Potomac is done. Um, yeah. And I, I do, I, I like her even, you know, I know she, I hope she feels the same. You know, she was like, look, I've moved on. So we've texted since then. So I think things are good. And you had on both Monique and Candace. Separately. I wanted to do, I wanted to do a back-to-back like week, week showdown of Monique and Candace post-fight. So we did that. Um, and how was, was that? It was great. You know, both women, I think both of those women understand. Um, I think they really get entertainment and what they're doing, right? Even if people love them, hate so? them. I do. What do you think? Well, I think Candace does. I mean, I'm not taking sides. I just think, I think in a way, Candace is the MVP of Potomac because she'll do fucking anything. I think she's the one, you know, everyone accuses Tamara Judge of having willing to do anything to keep the OC going. I'm not saying that's my opinion, but like, I think Candace will do anything. I love it. Well, I think that's the way you have to do it. That's reality TV. Kind of. I think it's great. I do not take on this whole thing of, oh, women shouldn't fight. I mean, that's what the show was based off of, you know? And the women got a lot of backlash for being women of color and fighting. And I'm like, I hope you guys don't take that on you because let's see, Judice <coughs> throwing a table at Danielle. I mean, that has been the history of the show, you know? And I know there are double standards, of course. They took it upon themselves. I mean, Giselle's like really upset. Yes, she is. She and is. So, is the, so are the others. I just disagree with that. I think it makes for great television. I think everybody's talking about them. I loved having them on back to back. You know, Candace wants Monique in jail. She um, does. She does. She she thinks that that's the only, and I'm like, you guys have to get back together. I, don't you feel like they're building to like a, they're going to be friends again? Like this is like the Tamara. Uh, honey, I'm not so sure Monique is going to have a job after this season. Oh, you think? I mean, I don't know. Like, well, okay, so Danielle Staub doesn't have a job anymore, even though she went on Watch What Happens and announced her retirement. But that was different because she was a friend and she put her hand on Margaret. So that's a no-brainer. But I don't know. I just think it's like, I don't know if you watch like Big Brother, Survivor. I watch all these. Like, you know, when you're in that Big Brother house and you put your hands on someone, you have to go home. I mean, it doesn't happen every season, but it's happened. <laughs> even, if you, even if you push someone's shoulder a little bit, you go home. They're like, Jennifer, please come to the diary room. And then you go to the diary room and then they're like, and then they're like, house guests, please go back into the living room. And then Julie Chen comes on and the Chen bot is there. And she's like, just want to let you know, Jennifer has gone home. Like you don't even say goodbye, sweetie. Same thing with like the real world. Remember that? Like you, you go home. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm. So I just, I mean, listen, maybe I'm wrong. I just, I think that she, it's kind of like last season with Dorinda. All season I was like, I don't think Dorinda's going to have a job anymore. But don't you feel like the difference is, I feel like Nini and Dorinda, they become so bitter, I think. Like, they love, love, love the climb. And then once they're there, they hate being the target. They They hate not getting the respect they feel they deserve. The ego changes. Dorinda had become so bitter. I think. Let me tell you something. Dorinda Medley is one of the most bitter human (laughs) beings that I've ever had the displeasure of knowing. Possibly in my whole life. So I, I, she's up there. Real, even in real life, you sense the bitterness. Oh, I've had experiences. No, thank you. 
I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. To anyone that's a fan that loves her on the show, absolutely. I'm not taking that away from you. Hey, what do you think is the, what do you think is going on? You know, you see Dorinda posting and, and Bethany, they're very, they post a lot of photos together. What's behind that? You're, you're in the know. What do you think that means? I mean, they're friends, I guess. I don't understand it really. Like, I guess I do. I guess I do. But I don't really like, you're looking at it. I don't know. Like, don't you find, I mean, they're, they're posting Halloween pictures together. They're out all the time. And I'm like, Okay, what's the angle? Why? Like, I, I'm sure you girls are friends, but it just seems like they're they're trying to send some sort of a message. To I feel Bob. well. Bethany trashes, you know, everything about the housewives all the time, yeah, literally. Know. Yeah. You know, and so I think that like Dorinda feels. Listen, I mean, even though I don't like her in any way, shape, or form, I do think probably Dorinda was set up a, a little bit. Like, I do think the producers, just my opinion, were like, go, 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 go. Like, if they're, I'm not taking away from the fact that she's a bitter woman and this is all, it wasn't fake, it's all real. But I think during the season, they were like, bravo. Like, we're going to applaud you for that bad behavior, knowing that they were going to cut her. This is truly what I think. Like, I think they know. So I think Dorinda feels like, use like kind of like bravo fucked me that's what i feel and so once you feel that way and you're also smart bethany's like come on over honey because i'm willing to talk about how the train is broken all day and yet she's very close to andy it's it's such an and she'll openly say bethany will say andy rewards the housewives for horrible behavior it's a very andy has a fucking hard on for bethany i don't understand it either well, right. She, she it's not like she that. just trashes Bravo. She will literally say Andy Cohen, blah, 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 blah. Three <laughs> weeks later, Andy Cohen, blah, blah. I'm like, and then she's on fucking Watch What Happens Live and they're they're texting and drinking. I love you. <laughs> so I mean, but that's my thing. Like, why are they able to like say this is show business and Sarah Frazier and David get the fucking brunt of it? Like, why can't we be like Bethany and Andy? And why can't I speak and then see someone the next day? I'm telling you, I have the this is hand to God. I have the thickest skin. Like if you draw a line down the middle and you come at me, I will fuck you. I will come back at you and scratch your fucking eyes out. I will, <laughs> I will destroy you. Noted. I mean, I'm a lawyer and I'm a gay man. So we fight, sweetie. Short of that, I mean, there's two things here. Like you're not going to win. I swear to God, I will fucking destroy you. But short of that, if you don't like come at me and draw a line and it's me versus you and you just say a bunch of shit about me, I don't care. Say whatever you want about me. I, well, I think we're on our way, right? And I think that Bethany gets away with it because the truth is, is Bethany is the probably most successful housewife. I know Nene would like to think that. I know Vicki Gunvalson would like to think that. But I mean, Bethany Kate, you know, when she started, she was awesome. You know, she had nothing. She, you know, lived in that tiny little studio apartment while the rest of the women made fun of her. And she used that moment in a marketing way that that very few people can do to parlay it to, you know, this is a crisis foundation and all, all your, her skinny girl stuff. She's so I, Andy is going to let her get away with a lot because even in her worst moment of trashing them, she still is deeply t- attached to that franchise and represents, I think really transcending pop culture. So I think he, in a way, almost needs Bethany, where the rest of them, I think, are very disposable to him. But in a way, he sort of needs Bethany's success and loves being attached to that. I think so. I mean, and that, what a great, 
And that's the mistake Nini made. Nini thought that she was in the same situation. Honey, she ain't. And you know, it's show business, right? It's not show friendship. And they fall for the fact they think that they're close with Andy. They think that Andy will never screw them. And it's like Bethany, I think, came on that show and she was like, fuck Andy, fuck the producers. This is, I am going to figure out for me how this creates a legacy. And the rest I've of always the- said that. Like, yeah. that's what you need to do. Like, you need to, like, if, if, if I ever got on The Housewives or any reality show, I'm telling you, I would show up day one. I would be like, there's nothing special about me. You know, I can negotiate my contract next year a little bit, but don't negotiate too much because you'll be kicked to the curb. And let me start my side hustle on day two. And I am never going to bother producers. I never, you know, unless I really don't want to be there. But if we're talking like a million dollars plus... I don't really care to fucking wind me up and point me in the direction of what you want me to do. Do you want me to bow down? Do you want me to suck your dick? Do you want me to throw? (laughs) You tell me what you want me to do. I don't understand what gets so hard. And I'll tell you, I think who's doing that now is Candace. I think Candace is saying, you make me whatever you want me to be. And I think Candace truly wants to be an actress and a singer. And I think she is setting herself up to be in BET holiday films, to be in all. And I think she is now, the Beth is playing them in a way that you don't see. I I think, I love Giselle. I think Giselle's kind of drinking their Kool-Aid and doing what they want. And maybe that, maybe it's what Giselle wants, right? It's every, because everybody's different. But I think Candace is the next Bethany in the sense she has another career planned. And so it's like, use me any way you want me. I think that's what you have to do. I mean, because the thing is to me, when someone's fired, everybody's been fired. So why, like Dorinda, like why are you, you, you believe your own hype? I, I, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand when you think you are the one exception that is so fabulous that would never get fired. I think, I truly think Dorinda thought that. And I mean, I love Vicky and Tamara, but they thought it because they were both shocked. And Nene thought it yeah like yeah and to me it's like i don't know nini's at a at a strange crossroads where she might never be back on tv at all i mean if you're talking well like if you're talking lawsuits and i mean what do i know but there's the point where like i mean nini's like there's lawsuit rumors like when you talk about a a lawsuit a you're never going to be back on bravo and if it goes that far like networks are going to be like you sue like well To me, I mean, if you sued another podcaster from going on, I would be like, I don't know if I want you on my show. Like you sued five people. You know what I mean? Well, and here's the thing. Nene keeps threatening a tell-all of what they have done behind the scenes that is racist. And I think when you do that, you have to play that card, you know? So people are waiting how she is going to play that card. And you're right. Um, Very well might be true. And maybe, maybe she comes out and people are like, this is terrible injustice. What's been done to you? Or maybe not. And if not, what does that do? And if you do that or even, but that's, I think even that's too far. Like once you threaten racism, how do you go back? I don't know. Make sure that that is truly, you know, and it very well, look, I have no idea what goes on to Bravo. Maybe that happened. Um, And then good for her for taking action because yeah, we're in a, we're in a reckoning time, which I think is terrific, but yeah, you got to go all the way with that. Kind of. You know, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that's the, I just think that you will never win against a network. I'm not saying I agree with that. I mean, you know, like, and I mean, like, if you have a real claim of racism, fine, you got to speak up. But like, you have to then say your career might not be on TV. It's sad that that's the world we live in. 
look, you've worked in HR, right? You know, uh, you know, Gretchen Carlson is the person that played it the best, you know, but her husband was an agent, is an agent. He knew the ropes. They knew to go to attorney. She knew what she was going to get out of. She had a plan. I think a lot of people don't have a plan. Injustice is done in the workplace, but they don't have a plan. You work in HR. You know the inner, you know that the company is going to do everything and anything. They're going to protect themselves. They talk to other CEOs. It's the same with iHeartRadio. You know, most people that, that, are ousted or quit or leave or have a gripe, they don't go back and work there, you know? Uh, so I haven't worked there in seven years. I never probably will again. But that was fine. I knew when leaving, I had people advise me. They were like, you're, you know, I've worked for other radio stations. They're fine with it. But now everybody's going out of business. So, but you just have to make that decision if you're totally. to, to do that. Like you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like you no. either need to fade away, which is what they're hoping. Like I, I'm all for people standing up for themselves. I'm not... I, I wish more people did. Because if I was really wronged, I would stand up and be like, I, I'm just the type that if you wrong me, I will stick my hands in the fire and burn it off to bring you down. <laughs> that's just my personality. Well, and that's, yeah. And, and you're very open about that. And that is for you, like what you're, you're going to stand on, you know? And so with Nini, I just worry, what is that? What is the outcome? Like, are you going to start your own podcasting network or uh, pop up, you know, further pop up boutiques? And then what's the end game? Is it money? And then you're sailing off into the sunset. What's, what is it? I just think it's like, it ain't going to be money like you were making ever ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to make one point something as a cast member on anything. Huge. Yeah. Do you watch, like, do you watch all the housewives? I do. I love them all. Um, yeah. What's your favorite? I love Beverly Hills. Cause I think they have real money. I, and I love the Hollywood connection. I obs- I'm obsessed with Hollywood. You know, I would do any D list celebrity. I mean, as you've seen with Constantine, I threw myself at him. You know, I mean, I love Hollywood I, because aren't you fascinated? I'm fascinated that people get any amount of worship. Like in this era where everyone has a microphone, you know, the fact that you can transcend to thousands of followers, like Jeffree Star, who the fuck is waiting for his makeup kit? And yet people will line up for, de- I'm fascinated by that. What do you have that other people are seeking? So I like them because I think they have connection to Hollywood that I'm obsessed with in a way. So they're my favorites. And then Potomac has become my second favorite, hands down. I, I told you I'm down with New York. Aside from Leah, I would fire them all. I think they're boring. They're bitter. They seem like alcoholics and, and not in a fun way anymore. Yeah, I think it's gone far. Atlanta, I'm kind of over it to me. I love Candy Burris, um, but aside from Candy, I'm Cynthia, uh, you know, we're on marriage 18. I, I'm over it. I just... I wish you well, but I don't have anything there for you. Like nobody's exciting me there. What about Dallas? I'm excited for Dallas, maybe, but Leanne's gone. I liked Leanne. I thought Leanne was a great shit stirrer. I liked We had Leanne on our podcast. I love the cop husband. I, I love mean, iPad. Here's an example of like what you're talking about. Like if I go to Dallas, I don't know how to handle myself because I am close with Deandra and I love her. Yeah. And I love Leanne. So if I go to Dallas for three days, I would like to have a drink with Deandra and I would like to have a drink with Leanne. You see? So I'm like in the same situation you are. I it's, would just do it. It's, I mean, come on. They have to realize, like, you are in, and I mean, do you think- You they, know what they say to me though? Because I have very few enemies. There's one or two people that I'm just like, you're dead to me. And they'll say, this is what someone has said to me. Like, what if we were friends with that person? And then, like, then that's where it hits home of, like, yeah, I would be pissed. 
So I'm like, oh, but I, I agree. Like, I feel like I just want to, if you don't do me wrong, I, I like you. I'm here. Like, I'm like you, I'm here for all of it. Like, just I tell always, your story. People say that to me. I'm like, don't you want to keep your enemies closer? Don't you want me to be friends with your enemies? So, you know, because I also have your back. So let me try to use that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. If something is really up that I felt endangered you, don't you trust me as a friend? Yeah. Or, you know, to let you know, don't you want your enemies closer? That is how I always play it because I have some, a lot of people that still know radio people that fucked me over. And I'm still friends with them because I'm always like, you know what? I'm going to treat them good with all respect and give them the benefit of the doubt, knowing if something was coming my way, I bet they would say to me, hey, girl, heads up. Th- this is the word on the street. Do you love having a podcast? Do you love, is this like your- I love it. I love it. And I love seeing the great success that people like you are having. Like, of course, Joe Rogan's like a whole nother league. Um, call her daddy because- when I'm telling you, and you know this because you were in corporate, when I was in radio and corporate, people would say to me, podcasts are not shit. I had my radio agent who sadly passed away and he was amazing. He did really well by me. But when I launched a podcast four and a half years ago, he basically was like, almost said, I don't want to represent you because no one ever makes money podcasting. No one cares about this format. It will never be what radio is. And now to see it being even on the cusp of something, I think in the next five years, the next TV talents are people like you, myself, be, be Joe Rogan. They, I think so. Influential. Yes. Oh and my I, God. It's happening. You're seeing it. You're seeing it. And I do think, yeah, you're seeing it. And I do. So you think the, and I think that there does oh. need to be some equalization of the industry, you know, like no offense, but a lot need to go away. I'm just being honest. People, I mean, you, when you look at the numbers that some of these people, Joe Rogan's call her daddy, all, you know, Pod Save America, even if you like a political one, um, the numbers that they're putting up compared to television shows, you know, we're taking over the world. I love it. I, I am so excited. And I think, yeah, you know, well, it's just like, want to go and tell their story. Well, it's just like social media, like Instagram, TikTok, like we as a people are taking matters into our own hands. You're like, I, I don't, I'm going to do this. And you're yeah. not going to give me a fucking TV show? Well, okay, then I'll just do this. And But you think podcasting is going to have like an explosion in the next five years? Oh, 100%. Because when you think about I me, mean, podcasting truly is only, what, 10 years old? And I think we're on, we're just seeing, because only recently have Spotify, um, iHeart's now trying, you know, trying to get in the podcasting game big time. You have other, um, Gimlet, you know, you have these other people trying to give it a go. Um I think you're going to have major companies. They just can't figure out how to monetize. And I think it's about control, right? You have people like Joe Rogan being like, sure, I'll align with Spotify, but you're not going to tell me what, who I'm going to book. Well, that's a whole new territory for companies, as you know, because they like to control. But which- mind you, like they could, could, again, I go back to the money. Like they can, t- I will give up control. I won't give up everything for, you know, $30,000, but give me like a big, like, yeah. I mean, I just think, they should sweep certain podcasts up and be like, here is an offer that you can't use. I don't know if the Joe Rogans would ever go for it, but some others might. I don't know. Would you really give up control? Cause you've built this. And like you said, you're like, Bethany, don't tell me about podcasting and how to interview reality people. Can you imagine even for $750,000 a year, how long is David Yontif going to last? Right. If they want you to become something you're not. It right. might be worth it for a year, but then what? 
And I had, it's a long story. We don't need to get, I had a TV thing come my way. Like, I don't know, like six, nothing made, we're not talking the e-network or it was a smaller thing. And like, it sounded for like a minute, like so sexy. And like, I'm going to be flying back and forth to LA and interviewing people in the LA studio. And then I'm just like, you basically own me, bitch. <laughs> like, I'm not, no, like this and- is it. The thing that I always hate too is how long till you have a celebrity feud or you say something about sex or whatever on their podcast and then they call, because I've had this with advertisers, right? With sponsors. I mean, I used to- I, I used to work with a lottery company, with a with a well-known lottery company. And I did this whole thing about, I think um, a little mini sex tape of Black China came out. And I, I, I'm i a huge Black, I love Black China. I hate I see nothing wrong with Black China. I adore her, right? And I think she was sucking Tyga's dick or something. So I was reviewing the sex tape and they were like, we cannot be, we can't, sorry. You know, this is on your podcast. And I thought to myself, I wrote the bag and I said, I, I appreciate that. But who do you think is buying lottery tickets? Okay. Do you think they all, I mean- People that smoke cigarettes and fuck are buying lottery tickets. They're buying scratchers. Not, I mean, I'm your audience. So, you know, you can't, but in the Good end- Good for you for speaking up for yourself though. It all works out. And I just, it, it's taken me a lot of trial and error and a lot of time of coming from fear. But when I'm like, this is who I am. I love talking about sex. Like I am launching an OnlyFans where I'm going to review men's dicks because so many men- really? send, Men send me pictures of their penises all the time. Even though so, you're married- even though I'm married, they don't care. I'm the dick. All because of what? Like because of the Sarah Fraser podcast show? I'm going to say a while ago, we found an article and it was, huh. one, it was one of my most watched YouTube things at the time. And it was something about five ways to have great sex with a micro penis. So we went into this and I said, I'm a fan of micro penises because all of your listeners know when you've seen a monster dick, it's, it's great to look at, but it is hard to handle. You know, I mean, you know, it's like- there But is it's so time. nice to look at. It's so, so nice. nice. It is. <laughs> It's so much in your mouth. It's so much. So I said, I like a micro dick and there are things you can do with it. I got such a reaction from that. So men were saying, can you please review my penis? I don't know if I'm normal. I don't know if I'm not. So I'm launching my OnlyFans. You can, you know, send me your cock. It's Cocktober. And, you know, I will review it and let you know. And then I'm going to have some female guests on. Uh, You need to come on OnlyFans. if you're. I will come on your OnlyFans. Tell these these guys want to know if their penis is okay. Okay, listen, I need to come on for this because I've come on, and I'm going to figure out. I have a lot to compare it to. So, as a single girl, I'm going to pay the you know the hosts that come on because I I intend to make money from. I'm not doing this for free. There's no way. And then I I think we're overdoing things for free. I mean, I'm overdoing most things for free. Most. And I'm going to do a costume every month. So No Shave November is going to be the costume. So I want to see the hairiest dick. And if you have the hairiest dick, you're going to get a $10 gift card to Applebee's. So you can treat yourself to a Long Island on the Sarah Fraser show. So, and you will be on and I will figure out the proper way to pay you because I believe in paying other talent when you come on for things like that. And men want their dicks reviewed. They do. So the lot oh, no sign me up for this. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> so there goes my lottery. Ever in the future, they won't work with me. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking for advertisers, condoms, cigarettes, and beer. Were they shocked when you said, when you kind they, of put them in their place? They never even wrote back. They never spoken to me or worked with my brand again. But I'm okay. If I would have beaten myself up. Yeah, me too. Ago, I would, and I thought, God, I should change. Maybe I should be sweet. But now- no. Sex toy people come to me, and I'm like, that's what my audience wants. And so stop, you know, beating Well, yourself. I get that with Bravo. Like, that's how I am with Bravo. I- kind of, I haven't really thrown the gauntlet down and made a speech, but it, I think with Bravo, you need to either be one of those podcasters that they feed you the current people on TV 
and I don't need to mention any names and just have a nice little chat about the grass and the sunshine and birds and like music playing in the background and, or you need to be like, yeah, I had on Cedric, Lisa's ex house guest. And he said, Lisa Vanderpump had an affair and is this and that. Like, I think you just like, once you, right. Like, I don't know if you feel that with Bravo. I mean, I, 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 I do. And look, I mean, you are an amazing talent. I love your show. And you, and that might be the path for you because you might be that person, you know, totally. and you should do that. And if Bravo says, we want you to do a clean show where you might ask some questions, but you're going to paint them in a good light, that could be your path. And that's awesome. Like if you don't feel inside that your soul's being compromised, then you are. Doing- no, I mean, I, I kind of do. <laughs> that's why, that's why I do this other rogue show. I've just like, no, this is my thing. I still thought it was pot. Like, if Bravo, like, if they give me someone and they're like, we're handing you this person to interview and, you know, you need to be nice and blah, blah, I will play by the rules. Like, I'm not an asshole. I'm not going to throw like a punch in the final. Like, if I give you my word, it's going to be A, B, and C, and we're never going to get to D, I will stand by it. But to me, it's like anyone you don't help with that I just happen to know that's on my own show. Like, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. I'm a type of person that, you know, if someone tells me, okay, don't, don't go over there. Don't open that door. I open the door. You know, I just do, I just do, I can't, you know, I, so I don't work well that way anymore. And I'm, I know like I will probably work for an outlier network or something like that because I can't, I'm not ABC. You know know. what I mean? I'm not, I I can't be sweet. Same here. I'm too, I'm too sloppy. I'm just, I'm just like, you know, I'm hoping E! Network gets sold to the Kardashians and they want to do like X-rated television or something. I hope Kanye wants it to be insane. Or know? like, look at like Lady Gang. I mean, I know it didn't last, but it was on E! Like, I think there needs to be more podcast shows on TV. Oh my God. I mean, we, you and I, this is what I love about you. We could do a deep dive forever because I want to, I, I could do a whole other show with you. I want to know why E! Network is, is not working. It's not. I know. Why? It was the greatest network of all time. And I don't know. Someone told me the other day, like behind the scenes, because I was like, I'm having this person on from E and they, they were just like, like, I think it's not working even more than I realized. Because someone in the know was like, you know, E's like not working at all. I'm like, really? I mean, I have to say, I love, E is very good to me. They're very good to me. They work well with me. Like if Bravo worked with me the way that E worked with me, I would have less, I would be able to sleep more at night. (laughs) E is wonderful. Like they are, the people there are wonderful. They just, they're wonderful. They treat me like I should be treated. But, But I agree. I don't know when Kardashians leaves. Like if you look at like rich kids and like they had so many good shows. I don't know what's. I know. I mean, they have like the, the Bradshaw bunch is actually as highly rated as the Kardashians, if you can believe that. Really? I was wondering, okay, oh my gosh, I've watched a couple episodes. Okay. It's, it's re- doing pretty well. Really? Okay, that's exciting. But that's- I think they need more. I mean, I think Very Cavallari was a loss. The, the ratings were good before I know, Kristen you decided. That. To, yeah. That one was hard for me to get through. Oh. Listen, I will watch anybody from the Hills or Laguna Beach even sleep. God, but Jay, Jay Cutler, it was so bad. It was like, you knew they were headed for divorce. I mean, oh my God, my carpet has more, you know, passion towards her. I mean, it was so bad. Oh, Kristen though is so, she just, ah, she sucks you in. I love Kristen. A little Casey. Ah, 
I'm and just like, you see how easy I'm, I'm like swayed? <laughs> oh, believe me, if they were here, I'd be like, Jay, you're fabulous. What a guy. What a guy. <laughs> we will do a whole nother show. We'll do a whole nother show. You're going to come back. I'll come on your OnlyFans. You'll definitely come back. Well, and you'll be back on mine too, because I love doing deep dives into pop culture. You know, that's what I really like about you is you and I could get lost in the rabbit hole for hours. Listen, anytime you want like a guest, like I'll come on and do like a once a week, whatever you want. It doesn't, you know, because I like your show as opposed to, you know, like I would come on regularly. Okay. Well, then you and I- So anytime you're like scraping around and you're like, I need a guest co-host, what's going to happen? I'm available last minute. I love it. All right. Because I, I like your show. Well, ditto. Tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find your show. Uh, you can find me on almost all social platforms, The Sarah Fraser Show. So it's F-R-A-S-E-R. And uh, the podcast, you can just search Sarah Fraser or The Sarah Fraser Show on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that they're out. And I'm, I'm currently kind of like David. I'm putting out new episodes Monday through Thursday. I just launched that through COVID and um, listeners seem to like it. And uh, yeah, I talk a lot of pop culture. I, <laughs> I've heard a lot of my own insane life because I'm married and I've, I've had tons of crazy life experiences. So sometimes I talk about that and then I try to have on interesting people, reality show guests. So all kinds of fun. Well, you're doing it. And where can they find you on Instagram? Instagram, it's at the Sarah Fraser show. So. Everyone needs to follow you. You will be back. You're an official friend of Behind the Velvet uh-huh. Rope. I love Behind the Velvet Rope. You're awesome. So you're just amazing. So I'm so thankful and I loved having you on my show. And I'll come back. The, the, the dick pics, like you have sold me. Oh my God. Wait till you say... Okay, I have some crazy ones. We'll have to talk offline. They, they're very tiny. You get right. I, oh I mean, my god! I, like you may fall out of your chair, David. Like we need to get Yontif off the floor. Like it is. Oh my god! <laughs> these men need help. Oh my god! Okay, uh, we're gonna talk offline. Oh my god! All right, everyone. Sarah Fraser from the Sarah Fraser Show. Follow her. We love her. And text me. We will be in touch very soon. Love you, David. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.